today taken from the Gospel of St. Luke. Uh, this can be found in Luke chapter 6, starting in the 27th verse. And Jesus is teaching uh, the apostles in this passage. But I say to you, uh, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But I say love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. The Gospel of our Lord. I just want to say once again how good it is for me to be back with you. It's been some time since I was able to worship with you. And uh, even though it's a chilly room, you're such a warm uh, congregation to be with. And I always enjoy spending this time with you when Jameson's away. So uh, thanks for having me back. Again, my name is Jedediah Sloboda. I, uh, I live in Philadelphia. Jameson and I have been uh, close friends for many years. When he was an intern here right after seminary, uh, I was also. And so we got to know each other in that context. Uh, really learned about um, our place in God's church and got a sense of our calling together. Um, and so I, uh, I'm always excited to be a part of what he's doing from a distance and to hear what God's doing with your, uh, with your worshiping community here. Um, I want to start... Um, thinking a little bit about the gospel text this morning with a story. There's a story in, uh, it's, a, it's an old kind of folk tale. It's in, uh, you know, for instance, the Grimm Fairy Tales collection. It's a story about uh, a family uh, who has an aging grandfather. And the grandfather, as he uh, is getting older and older, is no longer able to uh, eat at the dinner table without, uh, in some of the versions of the story, drooling and, gr- and grunting and moaning. Um, and it becomes so uncomfortable that the uh, mother and father in the family uh, send him to eat in the next room over because uh, it's just honestly so disgusting and unpleasant to, to eat with him that uh, they thought we would all enjoy dinner as a family if he just ate in the other room. And as the story goes on, one night as they're eating, uh, even in these separate rooms, the grandfather uh, b- drops and breaks the uh, ceramic bowl that, that he's eating his dinner from. And so to deal with uh, his inability to uh, hold, and, uh, hold on to his cutlery and his, his dishes anymore, the family gives him a wooden bowl so that if he drops it, 
it won't break any of their, uh, any of their dishes. And as the story goes on, one day, uh, the parents come up across one of their children, and the, and the child's out in the yard uh, carving something, and they say to the young child, uh, what is that you're doing? And, and the child's response is, oh, well, I'm carving two bowls so that when you're old like grandfather, you'll have something to eat with too. And in that moment, of course, it clicks what has happened, right? The parents realize that what they have done to uh, the grandfather will also come to them one day as well. This, the moral of that story is really at the heart of the gospel lesson we've heard this morning, and that is that hatefulness and exploitation, abusiveness, has a tendency to spread, almost like a disease. That hatefulness is kind of like this virus. It spreads and multiplies as time goes on, that we learn from one another how to treat and mistreat one another. And to help us as followers of Jesus in the way of Christ to learn how to stop this spread or to arrest this spread of hatred and exploitation, Jesus gives his disciples a rule. He gives us a rule for life. Often it's been uh, nicknamed or termed the golden rule. And the rule is simply this, treat others the way that you would like to be treated. Now, there are kind of watered-down and weaker versions of this rule that I think are more familiar to, to us in our broad, and, uh, broad culture generally. You know, you've heard um, phrases like, I've actually heard a pastor say this once to a congregation on his first day in the pulpit. He said, if you don't bother me, I won't bother you. <laughs> and uh, we've also heard, uh, live and let live. Or um, I, I've been hearing this one uh, very frequently in the context of businesses. Um, businesses adopting do no harm as a kind of code of ethics for their companies. But this rule of Jesus actually goes much more deeper. It's much more profound. I think uh, Pope Francis got it right a few years ago when he was addressing the leaders of our nation's Congress, actually. He said this. He said, this rule of Jesus points us in a clear direction. Let us treat others with the same passion and compassion with which we want to be treated. Let us seek for others the same that we seek for ourselves. So if we want security, let us give security to others. If we want life, let us give life to others. If we seek opportunities, let us give opportunities to others. This is really the point that Jesus is making, not simply live and let live or do no harm. This is the story that Jesus is telling with his whole life. It's a story not just about uh, withholding abuse or hatred from others, but a deeper rule because it draws our attention to the very character of God. God, our Father, Jesus tells us, doesn't merely withhold or not return hatred or abuse to us, but God instead freely gives out of the abundance of his grace, an overflowing abundance of love and forgiveness and generosity. God freely gives to all without distinction, Jesus teaches us. And so the rule, the standard by which Jesus is is telling us we can live our lives together is not the standard of do no harm. It is the standard of God's generosity. 
Freely we have received, as St. Paul puts it in one place. So, so let us therefore freely give. Now, how can we apply this in our own lives? I think one thing to, to think about for us in the context of Brooklyn and the United States in the 21st century is, who is our enemy? Some of us may be here thinking, I don't really have any enemies. And our context, even though it might be as cold as a, a catacomb in ancient Israel, um, at the moment, is very different than the context of Jesus' disciples in the first century, isn't it? They knew very well who those uh, enemies might be, those who might abuse them on the street, those who might demand their cloak from them, those who might slap them across the face. But who are our enemies? This is something for us to wrestle with, I think, um, as we try to live out this rule. Because, in fact, we might not be the ones who are suffering the abuse, as much as we are the ones who enjoy the privileges that rely on the abuse, the abuse or exploitation of others, whether uh, near or far, seen or unseen. Our enemies may uh, not be so apparent to us, but those who might see us as the enemy, those who might see us as the abuser, might be uh, something for us to wrestle with. And then I think uh, perhaps... Uh, and, and I could relate to this as well, we might think about those who are close to us in our own homes, our, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our friends, those who maybe have become alienated or distant from us because of long or, or old hurts and wounds. We might not have enemies in the same sense that Jesus' disciples had in the first century, but we might have those whom we find it very difficult to imagine forgiveness. We might find it very difficult for us to imagine offering the kind of generous love that Jesus here calls us to. So perhaps there are those who are close to home. And if you're very young, I know the little ones uh, went out, but uh, it's more difficult often for us to exercise this rule or to practice this rule with those that we share the same house with or the same table with than it is for those who we might pass on the street or those that we work with in the office or wherever it is that we spend most of our days. Another application I think that's maybe really direct to us, um, Jesus tells, those, uh, tells his disciples that when someone comes to you and begs and asks for something, to give. If you're like me, um, I live in Philadelphia, a big city as well, and I know, as you know, that um, homelessness and those who are depending on the generosity of others is right in front of your face on a daily basis. And it can be difficult to know, how should I respond to those who come and ask me for money? Um, but here, the, the rule is quite clear. However you end up um, sorting that out, that we are to give something to who, those who beg from us. We are not to walk by callously or, or look the other way or maybe, you know, adjust your headphones so that, you know, uh, to signal that, that I'm busy now and I don't have time to hear what it is you have to ask of me. Whatever the application is, however, in our lives, it's going to take practice. Is it possible to live by this rule? Is it possible to live by this standard? It's not natural. I know that. It's not natural, and it will take great practice. Martin Luther King Jr., reflecting on the message and the rule of Jesus and his call for us to forgive others, 
said this. He says, we must develop and maintain this capacity to forgive. The one who's devoid of the power to forgive will be devoid of the power to love. He gives, I think, in this, um, in this quote, a really helpful insight into where we can start this journey if we hear this morning in the gospel God's call to live by this standard, to, to renew our efforts to walk by this rule of Jesus. He says it helps us if we come to discover that there is some good in the very worst of us. Whoever that person is that you find very difficult to imagine offering forgiveness, know this, that they are a child of God and there is some good within them. And conversely, King says there is some evil even in the best of us. This is actually right in the words of Jesus in this text. He says, look at the Father who gives to those who give nothing in return, who showers his blessings and his love upon the evil and the wicked, just as he does the righteous. King says, when we discover this, that there is some good in all of God's creation and all of the people that God calls us to live with and love, and that there is some evil in all of us, no matter how hard we try to follow, live a life of faith, that there is some evil in even the best of us, that when we discover this, we are much less prone to hate our enemies. This is the first step, I believe, in applying this rule in our lives to take stock in who we are before the face of God. We are nothing more and nothing less than God's beloved children whom God has given us everything, life itself. Despite our sin, despite our faults and our failures, that God has poured his life out for us in the gift of his son. And when we discover this, this love of God, we are less prone to hold that love back from even our worst of enemies. Friends, we come to this table, and this table is a sacrament for us each week of this generosity of God, isn't it? This outpouring gift of God's life for us. And God calls us to freely come and receive. Think of Jesus on the, last, on the night of the Last Supper, eating and drinking with his disciples who would all flee from him, who would all abandon him, eating and drinking, offering this gift of love and life to Judas as a sign and here as a sacrament of the type and quality of love that he offers to us as we come to eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus. Friends, believe this good news of the gospel, that his life is freely given, and that if we receive it with faith, the Holy Spirit will so fill us with that life that we can share it with whomever God would ask us to share it with and there will ne- it will never run out. It will be, continue to flow through us, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing into our laps. Let us pray. Lord our God, we ask that you would remove the barriers both within, the barriers that would push away this gift of love, this generosity. The barriers that would say, perhaps for others, but not for me. That we would take you at your word, that this gift is for me. This gift in full, 
is for all who would open their hearts and hands to receive it. And Father, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as we come to this table, as we are sent from this place, that this gift would not just connect us closer to you as individuals or even to our close circle of friends that we worship with, but that it would truly overflow like a river of life, gushing out a fountain for all to drink from and to receive this life and this love that comes from you. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Savior, and friend. Amen. Thank you. 